0: Buddy, and welcome back to the broadway jets podcast you'll know me from twitter as nyj mike and i'm joined as always by the master of receipts it's nyj matt how we doing
1: mike we're feeling good we're almost at that point that training camp is upon us we're about what two weeks away
0: we need, it.
1: we need it now um it's the dead period in the off season, but I think the Jets are doing a pretty good job of keeping people interested. Flight twenty twenty one came out; it was a fun documentary. Now we're waiting on a little, a uh, few more storylines. Marcus May is the biggest one that we're all waiting on. I think they need, they need about five days, right, for the extension.
0: I think it was. Th- I think it's three days from today, the fifteenth.
1: Gotcha. That's hey, it's coming up quick, man. Coming up quick. I think everyone yeah. is. It's pretty cool that the fan base is universally agreed upon that we need to extend him and we need to bring him home. He is a player who played out of his contract, wasn't an asshole, team captain, produced on the field, was hurt for, I think, end of his rookie year, a little early on in the second year. Then no injuries moving forward. So we're all happy with May. We wanted to be on the team and hopefully they get it done. And if history repeats, Jamal or you know, Joe Douglas is going to get this deal done. For below market value, like we think he's going to get 13 million, he might get nine and a half, ten million. So we'll see where it goes, Mike. What's your thought on Marcus May here?
0: Yeah, look, it's been cool to see Marcus May throughout his career beat all of the you know negative surrounding him. So at first, like you said, he was apparently injury prone, and then you know it, the, it's, it came down to a case of is he really good or not? And mm-hmm. each time, you know, people said, you know, all right, Marcus Mays played about 32 games in a row. He could play, uh, and he played really well last year, and he was a leader on defense when things were bleak. So you want to keep that guy in the building.
1: Absolutely. Now, we do have a few hypotheticals to kick off the podcast, and then we'll get into a few more current events down the road. But we'll start with the first hypothetical here. As I pull it up, let me just I
0: I looked at a couple of them on Twitter. So Matt tweeted out today, shoot us over some of your best hypotheticals. And some of them are hilarious and they're really creative.
1: Yeah, we'll start with an easier one and then we'll get more crazy as we go. Zach Carr, uh, Zach Carr, great friend of the program. He's my guy.
0: Happy belated. Uh,
1: Which McCagney failed pick would you give one more chance? Not counting Jamal Adams, Darnold or Leonard Williams.
0: That's a great question. I, I have an answer. Give me it. So, this is like an actual, like, like we think they were going to be good and we'd put them on the Jets now or just in general? I, guess I think in general.
1: general go, yeah, go with your, go with however you interpreted it.
0: I would go anu- Quincy Anunua. Mm. Was probably was one of the better, was he part of the ISDIC 12? Or am I wrong?
1: Yeah, I, I was, I was going to oh, say. Fucking dick. <laughs> anu- was, was 14. And my favorite thing about Quincy is that in that draft, you had other receivers taking like jalen Saunders and shaq evans jason morrow pass catching tight end uh but yeah unfortunately q is it falls in that that line to to refresh your memory if you're listening the 2015 draft is the leonard williams devin smith lorenzo malden in the third petty oh, so jarvis Harrison, Deion simon from that draft i think you really could only say devin smith or lorenzo malden I don't think you can even touch the later rounds.
0: I know. I'm looking at the picks now. I guess like Jordan Jenkins is an answer or Darren Lee. That's and, insane. But I, would, I wouldn't even go
1: with Jordan Jenkins because he did play out his contract with the Jets and we gave yeah. him a fair shot. So this is one of like a guy that fell, fell through the cracks and now he's done. Like right away, I look at the, the list. Trenton Cannon is a guy that maybe could come back and be a fast guy on special teams.
0: Maybe Chad Hanson. He played a little bit the Texans last year.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good answer. Very, very oh, good.
0: This is garbage. I mean, I, Foley is the by far the best pick. It has to be of of Max. You Isn't know. that
1: horrible? I guess Quinnen.
0: Quinnen. Well, Marcus May, I guess.
1: That's tough, though. If you have an interior defensive lineman who stops the run as your third best <laughs> player drafted... In four years, not great. But yeah. no, I, I think that's a – Mike has a good call there on, on Hanson after what he did. It was great. You see like the Texans, you know, see Hanson has 180 yards or 120 yards and a touchdown. Can't be Chad. You're like, there's no way it's fucking Chad, and it turns out to be Chad. So <laughs> not uh. great. Um, another friend of the program, Angelo Fermato, would you rather Mims be a, a wide receiver one and Morbius bust or Elijah Moore be a, a wide receiver one and Mims be a bust? I think it's a very. I have a clear-cut answer on this one.
0: It's interesting. I, I think it might be better for the Jets if Mims is like a like a savage, just that outside guy. Yeah. Like, what if Mims has like a hundred and five catches for fourteen hundred yards and eleven touches on the outside? I think then you just kind of keep Crowder as the slot guy.
1: Yeah, I I guess I I lean more, and I'll tell you why. People forget more was picked. 16 spots I believe higher than Mims so he's a better prospect overall right and and I don't know I, I like Mims right he's a you know head down quiet not like a very talkative wide receiver but Moore isn't like that either Moore seems very energetic and loves football I think Denzel Mims fucking loves football but you feel more energy with Elijah Moore you know he's out to dinner with Zach Wilson and his dad. And then Denzel Mims is with the twos after kind of a nagging injury. So it's like, I, I would lean, I'd rather Moore be that that guy because then you can talk yourself into, well, Mims was a, a mid to late second round pick, kind of fell in the draft a little bit. It's all right. We we live there. Because the Jets traded back with that pick and took Mims with the Patriots, of course. yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with Moore being that number one guy. And, and I think everyone's rooting for Denzel Mims to have a really strong sophomore campaign.
0: Yeah. I feel like people forgot about MIMS a little bit, but, you know, just like the whole new is better yeah. Barney from How I Make Your Mother thing. But I'm cool with it. I'm f- happy with either.
1: We got Lucas coming at us. Would you rather have the 98 team to go to the Super Bowl or the 2010 team to go to the Super Bowl?
0: Oh, dude, we're fucking, we were like alive. <laughs> the 2010 team. Fuck the 98 team.
1: Yeah, we're we're in our mid twenties, so we would go twenty ten. But it's a great question. If you're thirty five, forty, right? If you're in your mid twenties and ninety eight, you probably care about football more than you might have kids when you're forty watching two thousand ten games, and you go back to your nine to five job and you hate your life, which is going to be us in fifteen years. So yes. I would 15, probably want to go
0: probably like like five or six. It's now to be honest, we're, we're in trouble, <laughs> dude. The, the ninety eight team, the thing is, is a more dominant team, which. You know, people forget the the 2010 Jets were the sixth seed, so they started nine and two, lost to the Patriots in prime time, and were you know, finished eleven and five comfortably. Rested the starters of week seventeen, but that 98 team were twelve and two with Vinny Testaverde, or twelve and one with him as a starter, and were yeah. top five offense and defense. We we had asked the hypothetical, who do, who do we think would win in the Super Bowl? I forgot who we asked that to. Maybe uh, Mark Slayer. It
1: might
0: have been Mark Flaherty because he played on the okay, Broncos. Fair. but uh. Yeah, I mean, but the 98 Jets probably would have had a better chance of beating the Falcons in 98 than the Jets in 2010 would have beaten Aaron Rodgers Packers. So if you're looking at it from that angle, probably 98, but from our fandom, definitely 2010.
1: Gotcha. I like that. I like that. Kev Guy with a really great question. I can't wait for Mike to dive into this one. Would you rather have Curtis Martin, Richie Anderson, Lamont Jordan, or LaDainian Tomlinson, Tony Richardson, Sean Green?
0: This is a fascinating question. In it it more, is.
1: I would. I would say, Kev guy. This is one of my favorite questions we've ever had in the mailbag.
0: Super is a great question. And the, the interesting thing is, when the Jets had Ladainian Tomlinson, he wasn't like himself. So he was still very good. He rushed for like nine hundred fifty yards in twenty uh, in two thousand ten, and he would have got to a thousand if he just played another game. Um, and then Sean Green was a better kind of number one back than Lamont Jordan. But Lamont Jordan was so good in his role and Curtis Martin was much better for the jets than LT was for the, you know, for the jets. So probably, uh, I mean, Richie Anderson is a better gadget flex type fullback who can run and, and, and catch the ball. And Tony Richardson is a hall of fame blocker. So it's like really close if it's LT from the chargers, like, yeah. like prime everybody, I would rather have LT and company because LT is probably better than Curtis Martin anyway. Which is you know sucks to say. Curtis is our guy. Um, That's really close. And also in today's style of football, I would probably rather have. um, Oh, actually, in this offense right now, Richie Anderson is much more valuable than Tony Richardson, which is super interesting too. He could be just Kyle Yousechek.
1: There's there's so many different ways you can look at it. I like your your theory of prime. Everyone in their prime. I think you would go LT and and Tony Richardson, but. The one thing in, in the mid to early 2000s, you've rewatched those playoff games and you see how important that running back crew was to those wins. What's the difference in your mind with Richie Anderson and Lamont Jordan? Because this is, you know, for my brain, when I rewatch those games, I get people confused left to right when it comes to Richie Anderson and Lamont Jordan. Like, are they too similar to play style for you to say, like, all right, we're going to break them away from LT, Richardson, and Green?
0: Well, think about like this Richie Anderson with the Jets was like the change of pace guy he would come in and smash people rush like six mm-hmm. times a game. Then he went to the Raiders and in fourteen games he had a thousand and twenty five yards, nine touchdowns and seventy catches. So he's a very talented guy. But he's similar to Sean Green. It's a similar kind of guy. Sean Green did the same thing, two hundred and seventy carries for a thousand one hundred yards, whatever, and eight right. touchdowns. Uh, so it's really like those guys probably cancel out. You know, Sean Green was was vital to our run in two thousand nine and ten. I mean in two thousand and nine of if Sean Green doesn't get hurt, you could argue the Jets might win the championship game against the Colts because Thomas Jones was just out of gas at that point. Sean Green went out after the first half. Um, I would probably go with everyone in the prime with LT and Sean Green and those guys, but like Curtis Martin dragged the Jets to the playoffs a couple times by himself. So that's really close. I, I probably would, would lean the LT group, though.
1: I would do the same. Now, yep. now here's uh, one from Luke Sweatpants Guy. Uh, <laughs> in, in his first season as an announcer, will Mark Sanchez call more touchdowns than he has career passing touchdowns, which is 86 total? And oh. I took a minute here and, and thought through it, right? So, hypothetically, he calls 17 games. What is 17 times 5? 85? Yeah. So, on average, if a quarterback... Both quarterbacks throw five touchdowns per game that he calls. That's 85. So it's actually a fascinating question. It actually kind of evens out to the number, if you think about it. I, I'm not a math guy. I just did just a quick math there. but
0: I'll take the under. Life is too short to take the under. But that seems like a lot of five passing touchdowns every game.
1: Yeah, the well, over-under over for most quarterbacks end up, ends up being two, right? Right. I think if he goes into a game where it's like a, a Chiefs, Rams game, they throw eight, right? That kind of evens out for the time where you get a shit game where they throw two, three. So it's a good question. I like under is probably the the safer play because the average touchdowns passing per game might be like three and a half, four. But no, it's a fair question. I like that.
0: I'm trying to figure out how many passing touchdowns were thrown last year. I guess like a lot. Well,
1: while while you do that, I have to read off the next question because this one's long and I still kind of don't get it. But you loved it.: um, Is this the
0: bisy one? The what? The guy buys whatever golf? Yeah, bets? yeah, yeah, yeah. Byy: Insane question. So Adam, Adam, I, I, yeah, yeah, do you want to
1: read it because I don't even get I'm like try, I read it five times. And I'm still not really grasping what we're trying to achieve here, but we can we can talk through it together.
0: I got to pull it up. But what, start wait, so
1: <sighs> I'll go through it. So Adam Gase made eye contact with you it means you're terminally ill. To survive, you have to live with one of these forever. Yeah. Halfback dive two yards everywhere you walk. So I'm right. guessing that means every time we walk two yards, we just have to throw d- myself on the floor. Throw yourself forward and dive. <laughs> Anything you pick up shotgun snap to you by Spencer Long.
0: So, yeah, like if I need to like pick up the remote, like Spencer Long has to fucking snap it to me. I, I have like- my
1: coffee in front of me that I'm about to take a sip of. Every time I go to a bar... <laughs> and put my my beer on the on the bar top, I have to pick it up, spend the longest and snap it to me.
0: What if you walk to the bar, you to throw yourself on the floor like six times.
1: Anything fun you do is voided by a missed sam Ficken 50-yarder, <laughs> which means you can't have fun ever again because I, I, that one I don't get. The other two I can talk no, myself in.
0: Basically, if let's say we go out to the bar or we go to like Jet's home opener and like we have an awesome time, all of that is negated from our memories and brains. If Sam Ficken misses like a fifty-yard kick,
1: I, I think not going, in the
0: game. Like just yeah. at the moment, he just kicks it. All every time he does something fun,
1: I think. And and we don't have fun anymore after that happens.
0: I think. I, well, what did Sam Ficken kick?
1: Look, I think I think you have to go with the HB dive.
0: You have to figure out a way. Maybe you could just wheelchair everywhere.
1: No, you just have to. I mean, that's a a good point. But you have to tell people that you have a, like some type of disorder where you fall a lot like you're a clumsy dude and that, and that's your your stick and they probably think you're faking it but you can't get spencer long everywhere you go like you can't do it you, you all right this is gonna be weird but i'm gonna say it like you get you get your wife is pregnant you have your kid you pick up the kid <laughs> and spencer long is like there snapping snapping at you you can't have that happen it's on it, it's the, it's the only one you can't pick
0: yeah but the problem is you can never what if all right so let's say this you have your kid they give it to you for the first time. You just like go to take a like a step and you no, just you, throw yourself on the floor.
1: That's, <laughs> the a, that's that's why you have to dive deeper into the question. It's every two steps you take or two yards. Right. You go four or five feet and then hand it off, fall, and then take it back. So that's true. You can live your life with that. It's well, a good the question. Other,
0: the other problem is too is if like if you have a good time when your kid is born, then Sam Ficken has to kick a fifty-yard field goal. And if he misses, then you don't like have a kid anymore, or you don't remember <laughs> having the kid. Sam Pickett is 4 for 9 career from past 50.
1: Not, the, not terrible.
0: You have a 44% chance of anything fun that you do happening. I mean... W-
1: <sighs> my, my, yeah, my brain can't handle that final part. I, I think
0: I actually would go with C. I think I would go with the Sam Ficken kick.
1: You wouldn't go with Long, though. We
0: agree with yeah, that, right? Spencer Long is tough because you just pick up so much shit. Like, what if I pick something up and it's just like I don't need to pick it up? And mm-hmm, then now yeah. Spencer Long has to snap it to me. And then I, I got to put it down. And then I'm gonna pick up the thing I meant to pick up and he's gonna snap it to me again. It's and it's probably one of them it's goes the, over my head.
1: Pure nightmare. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he snaps your kid to you and it goes like eight feet over your head. That's
0: the point, he doesn't know how to snap. He's a center and he can't snap.
1: That's fair. Okay. Who would you who would you have winning in a fight to the death, Quinnen or Beckton?
0: A fight to the death. Yeah. I think Becton is probably more vicious. Like Quinin is so goofy that I think like Quinin could get to the point of murdering Becton and then just want to go off. Yeah.
1: I go I go Becton. It's a fair it's a fair question. That came from <laughs> Wait, the name is Robbie Sabo Cares, is his Twitter <laughs> name.
0: Oh that's the kid that probably said no one cares and then Robbie like roasted him.
1: Oh and then <laughs> oh and Robbie said you you're <laughs> I don't remember what happened. That that that's a. a
0: I funny. think Robbie posted something and like it was like no one cares and then or his name was no one cares and then he like ended up using an X Factor picture as his photo. Uh, okay, got it. As his photo. So it was pretty funny.
1: Jet Up Nation crew, it is your birthday today, June. So happy birthday! Oh, let's go. Question from Jet Up Nation: uh, Zach Wilson with Sam's immune system or Robert Sala with Gage's personality?
0: Dude, it's. Sam, I mean, if if Zach Wilson misses four, whatever, four games this year and then plays 17 games next year, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, if if Robert Sala is anything like Adam Gase, it destroys our franchise, everything. Yeah,
1: I, I have to agree. It, you you got to go the Zach Wilson immune system. You get mono once, is it, you can't get it again.
0: Is it like chicken pox or? I don't know. I, I'm
1: AIDS? fine. I'm fine. He he he's gonna be fine. We're gonna, Zach Wilson's gonna be a healthy guy. But in this scenario, I'm fine with some you know injuries. You know, Darnold hurt his foot his rookie year. Probably could have played through it, but they sat him down after he had a little slump. But the yeah. final question is probably the most important one from Danny Bags: Why do bad things happen to good people?
0: It's a good question. Um, look. If good things happen to good people, then Sam Darnold would still be here and throwing for 35 (laughs) touchdowns. It's true.
1: To to answer, honestly, why do bad things happen to good people? I think, Mike, your dad, I asked him this on the the way home from the home opener in 2018 when they lost to the Dolphins. He said, you know, you got to look at the other stuff outside of football. Got a good family, got a good job, got good health. And I'm like, "Ah, my health is kind of declining. I drink five times a week right my family they're all right right <laughs> you start trying to think of things to, to take you through it Danny Bags good question we'll find out how I feel come uh, come this fall when the Jets take the field and and that's a good transition to what we're going to talk about next and that's the the storylines of training camp so we talked about May a little bit the roster I think it's cool when you have 90 guys fighting for 53 or I think it might be 55 now with COVID but the preseason is very sneaky 35 days away. And, you know, Mike and I, we're not going to go to a preseason game. We're not going to bet the games. But I think it's pretty cool for the first time in basically two, three years, years—that you, you know, two and a half, that you can't watch your team play football in, in preseason. And now we get to watch guys fight for their roster spots. So I'm looking forward to it. Mike, how do you feel about the preseason games?
0: I like preseason, but preseason is like if you have a date with a girl – and you don't think you're gonna seal the deal. Oh God! And you, you go out on the date. It's nice. You get to see what everything kind of looks like. You get a like a feel for the terrain. You have some fun. You have a couple of drinks, but nothing really happens. And then like week two home opener, and you, you you know you do seal the deal, and you're like, whoa, this is awesome. This is everything I thought it was gonna be. But I I knew I wasn't gonna experience it in preseason. So we'll watch on TV we'll pay very close attention we'll tweet ridiculous things and these games matter extremely much, but preseason is uh, a little frustrating and you know, you just don't want anyone to get hurt. And-
1: right. Number one is nobody gets hurt. Number two is there's about a dozen guys who are fighting for, it could be eight to 12 spots. Right. And everyone's fighting for it, but you know, the roster bubbles out there, you're looking at teams that, that have players be cut. You know, if an injury of another team happens and you have a surplus at the position, you look at the Jets interior defensive line, could you flip a guy for a mid round pick and make make a good trade? The Jets did it with Teddy Bridgewater um, after he had a pretty good opening drive in the preseason back in twenty eighteen. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I cannot wait to watch the boys take the field. I think they're in. They're in, they got Green Bay, one of them. Giants, the other, and then I think the Eagles might be their their third one, being right down the road ninety five. So looking forward to it. But I think next up, Mike, what are we where are we going next? you want to talk about the the Jaguars Twitter beef, or you want to go elsewhere?
0: Yeah, well, Twitter's been popping. I mean, you you got into a war with, with Jaguars Twitter, which we are now finding out is a thing. So the Jaguars yeah. fans are upset because Matt tweeted that, you know, before the draft, there was all this Trevor Lawrence hype. And then now that he's stuck in the, the uh, you know, whatever adjective you want to apply to Jacksonville, no one gives a shit anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I expected the blowback i think i tweeted that in january as well not the same tweet but similar of yeah when when the jaguars secured the number one pick trevor lawrence was the number one high school recruit won two national championships all over the college map people talked about him forever and i feel like it died down and and look i get it's it's july but even back in december i feel like more people talked about the number two overall pick because obviously it wasn't consensus but it just felt like nobody cared anymore and I'm sorry, it's because it is Jacksonville. And that's not the fault to the fans or the team. It's just the way it is. And I think fans actually agree with me, too. Which, if you really, you might, my tweet was a backhanded compliment, right? It was a backhanded joke, whatever. But if you go line by line, if you're a Jaguars fan, you probably agree that, hey, we're not getting talked about enough. Trevor Lawrence is here now, and no one's talking about him because the media is, you know, against a small market like Jacksonville is. And objectively speaking, when it comes to J- Jacksonville, you know I, I think I made a tweet a while ago when when Trevor Lawrence when both teams were. I think when the Jets won their first game and it looked like he might have been out of the running, I started tweeting about like Jacksonville is like the worst crime for jaywalking in the United States, like all bullshit articles. But I I, I expected them to defend their quarterback, defend their team. Ninety five percent of the people had a lot of fun with it. I, I felt like I was getting dragged fairly in some areas, and then it was great when people would DM me, they're like, Hey, fuck face. Like Zach Wilson's mom's all over the internet. I'm like, Hey man, like best of luck this year. You know, i I, I respect you, you know, standing up for your city that sucks, but it's all good. And they were like, all right, you, you seem like an okay guy. So we kind of mended a lot of ties, but the, the tweet, I had to turn off notifications to it because one person quote tweeted it. I think that had 8,000 followers Jacksonville Twitter and then it, it, it just erupted. And I'm just trying to watch UFC. I'm trying to enjoy my night. And it was hilarious. Half of them. The other half, I was like, I can't respond to every tweet. But yeah, Jaguars Twitter is a real thing. I actually gained a lot of respect for them. And as always, I think one of the radio's guys who was really mad about it, he was like, <laughs> you are talking about him. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a, like a slap dick." nobody from new jersey who cares i'm talking about like the national media no one's talking about it it's
0: like this song you're so vain by carly simon she's you know <laughs> you probably think this song is about you it is it is about him
1: right and, I, <laughs> and then he was going off and i think someone was like hey you should go on his radio show i was like fuck yeah i'll do it and of course he yeah. invited not invite me which is fine but i'll i'll do Shit. anything i'll talk to anybody I, I think it was a fair back and forth and and I, people found a tweet of me saying trevor lawrence is good yeah he's good he's the number one quarterback in the draft if I, number one, if I had the number one pick, I would take him. That's how I'm looking at it. Zach Wilson's our guy now. I get it. I hope he kills Trevor Lawrence every chance he gets. But if you're telling me back in March who I thought the best quarterback prospect was, it was Trevor Lawrence, and I'm saying the same thing now. right? That yeah. that, that argument I didn't get, but it was a fun weekend. Who cares?
0: I'm just at, I mean, some of the other first-round, first overall quarterbacks, I think, were much more hyped. Like, even – like, at this point, Andrew Luck, I remember there people have videos all over the place about him. Jameis Winston, maybe. Cam Newton, yes. Baker, but Baker wasn't supposed to be the starter, so that was kind of weird.
1: I can make the argument Kyler Murray is more talked about than Trevor Lawrence coming out because, one, you don't know what they're going to do with Rosen, and they're thinking, oh, my God, is Kingsbury really going to go out there and get Kyler Murray? And also, Urban Meyer is kind of an asshole. Everywhere he goes, it seems to be a problem with recruiting violations. You know, he already got hit up for OTAs, a penalty for doing that. He's kind of a smug asshole, but he's a very good football coach. And you don't know how it's going to translate to the NFL. And if you're telling me, he seems like the Adam Gase who's more player-friendly. Yeah, not that's ugly a good as, take. Not ugly as hell. And he would win more football games. So, I don't know, man. Jacksonville's in an interesting spot. I think if you're a Jaguars fan, you have to be thrilled with the direction of the franchise. I know the free agent signs are kind of weird. You know, you take Travis Etienne after having a really good running back the previous got James year. James
0: Robinson, yeah.
1: And, and then... A lot of people didn't like the draft from Jacksonville. That's fine, but you have the two most important things: you have a quarterback who's a generational prospect. You have a head coach who has an unbelievable track record in winning games, and in everywhere he goes in college football. So,
0: yeah, people are way too low. I feel like on Urban Meyer, like they just dismiss him as like a moron, like older school, whatnot. Yeah, but I, wow. I
1: never understood that. I, I get why people can be reserved with his behavior and and his, and his record. Really off the field, you look at the players that came through Florida, you look at the players who come from Ohio State. Re- sometimes you know, character concerns pop up in the NFL. It's like you, you look at guys like Sabin that come from Alabama. A lot of those guys are, are really, really translate well to the NFL. And, and you just got to wonder if Urban, Urban Meyer is going to continue to you know, build young men and, and have really great players come through. And And I personally thought, too, and this is kind of going back to the draft. I really thought they were going to take a look at Justin Fields, a, a real look. Urban recruited him. He was in Ohio State for most of his early day, and then he came back, obviously, when, when day took over. But I, I really thought there was going to be an avenue where they said, hey, look, give us every one you got from Jamal Adams, your future one, your current two. We'll take Fields. Go ahead and take Lawrence. But he came out of retirement for Lawrence, so you can't blame him. I think Jacksonville is going to be a team. What's their over-under? Maybe six?
0: Something like that. It's going to be weird with 17 games, but the Jets play the Jaguars. What, what are we playing, like, Christmas Eve this year?
1: We play them late. Yeah, we play them really late, which I think is a is a miss on the NFL. I, I would assume that would be a third, like a third week, Monday night, Thursday night game with the number one or number two overall pick. I think it's a real terrible, terrible travesty that they had them end of the year when likely both teams will be seven, six wins hypothetically, so it's it's a weird move by the NFL not to make that a primetime game.
0: Yeah, probably earlier. But speaking of which, so we were going through, you know, other stuff that was happening on Twitter. I tweeted out uh, my favorite recurring jet celebration of San Antonio Holmes doing the first downs, you know, dropping the ball. Um, and he responded to that. And people rightfully are like, San Antonio is pretty much an asshole most of the time. And we were reminded of the – hilarious the jets were getting destroyed by the dream team eagles in 2011 28 to 3 and santonio cut a touchdown and like stepped on the ball and flapped his wings um but we were thinking of some other fun you know recurring things in in jets history i was thinking about the most disrespectful plays that you know the jets have been a part of over the last you know well since we've been watching and i thought of the uh I thought of a couple with a Chad Juke
1: on <laughs> Eddie Robinson. Yeah. One, it's of, just... one of the best gifts
0: ever. Dude, Chad, just give him the old, the old uh, two-step and fucking breaking the Bills defender Eddie Robinson's ankles. Um, Braylon doing the Dougie uh, over against Darius Butler of the Patriots in 2010 week two. All-time moment. Uh, some of the comments are pretty good. Like, uh, Well, the Jamal Adams ripping the soul out of Daniel Jones is probably like number one or two. That play is just the epitome Iconic. of disrespect.
1: Iconic. We were there, and I, in the tough part, looking back on it, is I remember going to the parking lot with you, and, and we're like, "If Jamal Adams is a lifetime Jet, that is the number one play." I, I remember saying, "If he ends up coming Hall of Famer, and he's a lifetime Jet, and does a you know wins divisions with the Jets, and he retires on this team, we were at the game for his craziest play ever. Took his lunch money. So I think that was a good one. The Crowell against the Browns, we." three 2018 wiping his butt wiping his ass oh
0: that sucked that game up 14 nothing yeah we played
1: three games in what 10 days and and on a dirt field trash trash field
0: how about the uh how about Revis and Chad Ochozingo talking shit and Chad saying that if you know he gets shut down or whatever he'll change his name back to Chad Johnson and then Revis had more catches than him in fucking two game span than he had yeah, so, I, I think
1: I'm, Ocho Cinco tweeted out a few days ago uh, a tip he left, and the tip was for $1,000 on like a $20 bill, which he always does, and it's awesome. I think I laugh and, and enjoy all of those. But I think he, one of the comments was, Revis still can't shut me down. It's like, dude, you are historically known for being shut down by one corner. <laughs> and I think he was on the shop or he was on some TV show, and they brought it up, and, and they were like, dude, what are you talking about? You literally he, he locked you down multiple times. But uh, when yeah. you're talking about recurring, I, I always think of the Jeff Cumberland, the fencing one, even though it was not oh. recurring. Didn't he do it twice? Or did well, he do... only
0: scored, like, whatever, seven touchdowns with the Jets.
1: I, I think he did it twice, but it's still, like, that – it's ingrained. He did it once against the Patriots in another game. But Oh,
0: yeah, the actual celebration – oh, he had ten touchdowns with the Jets over, you know, six years. But the other one um, that I love was the James E. Hedebo dig celebration. Yeah, oh, which yeah. you get a sack and fucking run into the backfield. He turned out to be a pretty good player. He went on to be the starting safety on the Ravens and the lions. And people are always like, why didn't the jets resign this guy and Brad Smith and all these guys? Like when you build a good roster, you just don't have enough money for all these like role players. And hopefully the jets have a similar issue in the next couple of years. It's like if the jets are great and Justin Hardy starts sacking people <laughs> and like an actual role on defense, and they can't re-sign him. You're like, why didn't the Jets re-sign Justin Hardy? Like they got to sign fucking like Mackay Becton. <laughs> you just can't.
1: Yeah, we we it, we need to have one of those good problems to have, and we just never have had it in the past five years. Again, it. it's it's the unbelievable. What 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 was it where they people complained about having to sign Becton and another tackle?
0: Oh, it was Penay Sewell?
1: Yeah, and, and it's like, dude, who gives a fuck if the Jets had. The fourth pick, hypothetically, fifth pick. And they and Darnold ended up having an okay end of, end of the year. Cause I think a lot of people agree, unless you think Wilson's a top five quarterback potential, which a lot of people do, then you would want to take Wilson at two no matter what if you don't think Darnold had that ability. But if you thought to yourself Darnold had top twelve quarterback ability and he ended the year okay and he was dismal last year, right? Areas he can control, he was terrible. What nine touchdowns, eleven picks. If he ended the year, sixteen touchdowns, twelve picks. I think a lot of people would be like, ah, didn't really have that jump again, right? But he had a dog shit coach. We had the fourth, fifth pick. Wilson's not going to be there. Fields, we don't know. What if we take a tackle? People actually thought that for a little bit and said, we can't sign him and Beckton at the same time. On what earth do you think you're going to, I I hate it. I hate thinking about it. We need to have a good problem like that. Like a, a huge problem with the Jets could be, you know, Quinn pops off and he needs to get that huge, huge contract. That'd be great. That would be awesome. And then 2020, right? The year after, Becton could be a top seven left tackle. Uh-oh, got to pay him. Then maybe Mims pops, right? And You start looking around, and then, oh, shit, you got to pay the quarterback. That would be the best problem to have ever, and I'll take it. And then another problem that people complain about is LaFleur becoming a head coach before he even called one play as an offensive coordinator. It's a great problem to have, but you can't can't call it this far ahead and say it's going to happen.
0: Well, you had the theory that that uh, Matt LaFleur is going to get fired in Green Bay. Or what, are they going to switch? Or <laughs> like,
1: Yeah, Matt LaFleur in two years going to be fired. Mike LaFleur is going to take the Green Bay job. Or he's going to take another job. Matt LaFleur is going to be like, I know the offense. Might as well just become an offensive coordinator for a year in New York.
0: Yeah, so Matt LaFleur, Pencilman, is like the 2024 offensive coordinator for the Jets after Zach Wilson breaks all kinds of records in the next couple of years. Dude, I'm, I'm like getting very hyped for Zach Wilson, especially in this offense. I feel the more time that goes by, the more I feel good about it, you know, with the decision that the Jets made. It's always frustrating when something doesn't go the way you think it's going to go, but maybe. Look,
1: you know, I, I, I think the reason you have like Zach Wilson is he's done everything right himself, right? The outside noise, That's... all his mom's Instagram story, and Dove Kleiman has tweeted about it for the 400th time. Like, all right, do we all like it? No, we'd pre- probably prefer it not to be happening. So I he's like on vacation stuff. watching film, right? He's, he's going out to dinner with Elijah Moore and his dad. He's yeah. hanging out the rookies in a house. He's tweeting at – he's commenting on Beckton's page. He's Instagram storying with Quinn Williams. Like he's doing things as a 20-year-old kid from Utah coming into a, an NFL team, a billion-dollar franchise. That's a lot of weight to have on one kid's shoulders, and he seems up for the challenge. And he's not afraid of shit. He the, the, My favorite clip is Coastal Carolina when two guys hit him late and drive him into the ground. And they both get penalties, I think. And one of them like, got ejected. But they're murdering this kid on the, on the field. And I feel like a Baker Mayfield would have like punched one of them in the face or grabbed his dick or did something. You know, I think Sam Darnold would have just walked away and kind of not cared. Zach Wilson was like in the game, nodded his head, said we're ready to go. And then he balled out for a couple quarters and they didn't get the win. But I think Zach Wilson's character-wise... A little cocky, a little confident. It's a different personality than our previous quarterback, and I think it's a personality of a franchise quarterback, and he just needs to play like it.
0: Yeah, dude, I just want to be in the hunt. So Got to want... be in the hunt.
1: Got to be in the hunt. Week nine—that's the goal, right? You're four and five, maybe. They—they they have you in the graphic on CBS at twelve thirty. That's what we need, and I think the Jets' schedule plays in their favor. They—if they could, the good thing is, and I—I I will say this if they lose week one on the road, the home opener will still be elite. It, it's going to be fun no matter what. In the event that we played a kind of a dog shit team and then we had to go play the Buccaneers at home, that is a deflating start. So I'm trying to give an example. Say we play the Broncos. They're not dog shit, but they're the Broncos. If we lose to the Broncos and then come home and play the Buccaneers, that week one game matters a ton because now we're like, we're going to get shit our shit punched in at home and we just lost a, a winnable game to Denver, it's a not not good feeling. I'm okay with losing to Carolina, a team on the road, weird circumstances. And the Patriots, who I'm not terribly afraid of, they got a, a handful of guys back from COVID, but we get them at home, and I think we can easily win. We should win one of those
0: games. games. Yeah, I, I think we could definitely win both games. We should win one of them. It's just like last year. We played fucking uh, week two. They, they played the 49ers, who everyone got hurt. We I mean, could have won that game, but. Yeah, like, That was a tough matchup. You don't want to lose week one against Buffalo.
1: Here's some unfiltered thoughts. And again, we we tend to sometimes ramble on this podcast, but I think if you're listening, you're a fan of Mike and I on Twitter. You like talking Jets. So here we are. Uh, my biggest fear watching an NFL game live or on the TV is that it goes, it goes too quick. And I don't feel like our team has the ball enough. And I feel yes. like we're always trying to reach our way back into the game. And maybe that's a thought process of, you know, 2016 on really, really struggling as a team. But how cool would it be if we felt like we were that team that had the ball nine minutes a quarter? Or we were up fourteen to three or fourteen to six and the team has to battle back and get to us. I just don't want to have eight weeks next year to start where we have that feeling of we have to battle back in every game. We barely have the ball. Like how hard is it to say I want to watch Makai Becton and AVT block up the middle for Michael Carter and then watch Wilson Tamore up the middle, Wilson to Mims on the sideline, and then Corey Davis catches an in route for a touchdown, and that's like a six minute drive. And all of those plays happened for our team, our guys that we can look back on. We have we can't do that for the past two years, and the reason why we can't do it for three years now is the quarterback and all the highlights isn't there anymore, and most of the team isn't. I it's want so I, I want to progress in a really strong way, and I think this team and this coaching staff can do it.
0: And to build on that, the one thing as a fan that I have not experienced, and you have not either because you're also a Jets fan, is any elongated stretch of success. So I can't picture – this is what I can't picture. So, like, I obviously look at a ton of highlights, clips all the time. I'll post clips from any year, even if the Jets suck. I just posted, like, Michael Vick throwing a touchdown to Eric Decker the other day. That's 2014. Trash. What happens – if your team makes a playoffs like seven out of 10 years, can, I could look at any game and be like, Oh, remember this fucking touchdown? How cool would that be? Now we have to, I look at things in like increments, 2010, 2009, 2010 or one thing, everything before that is another thing. 2015 is another thing, but I can't, I can't, I can only post so many highlights from like 2017, just trash. And then people on Twitter are pissed off about Darnold. I'm not going to post a million Darnold highlights yet before Zach Wilson does anything super weird. And it's even like, you don't even want to look at it. It's like, like, am I real? like, there was a time right after Fitzpatrick left where people were like, fuck Fitz. Like he played like shit in 2016 It kind of fucked us. And I love Fitz. And now it's the presidential effect where again, like, As time moves on, you become more comfortable with the things that happened in the past. So people look way more fondly on Geno now. They look much more fondly on Fitzpatrick because he was actually pretty good with the Jets. And then in a few years, I think I would predict that we'll see people more comfortable looking at stuff that Sam did.
1: Yeah, it all all depends, though, because if Zach Wilson doesn't end up turning out like a number two overall pick, then people will look back and be like, well, we didn't have it that bad with Darnold, right? It kind of goes back. And the weird thing about Fitz is you'll hear the same thing about Fitzpatrick. He was good for 2015, he sucked in 2016, but week seventeen Buffalo, like that is the same thing as far if they go, Yeah, they were eight and three, but he played through an injury, didn't tell anyone. Like it's it's always like one thing per quarterback that you have to hear. My thing and my takeaway is if you're a thirty five year old Patriot fan and all you know is two thousand on, yeah, do you appreciate those years and even years that you made it to Super Bowl and lost, right? Or you made it. You
0: can't, right? You can't appreciate it.
1: I, I don't, I, I, it's not only that you can not appreciate it. I don't think you, you remember those little moments as much and appreciate them. Like I'm telling you, if you bring a 35 year old Patriot fan and you're like, talk about a huge moment for your team and a a, a a regular season game that you cared about. That was a big win. They would probably stumble over their words and say, well, you know, in, in the Falcons Super Bowl, Edelman made that catch that bobbled up. Like, they, I don't think they know <laughs> what happens in the regular season. And, and it, it's not their fault. They they probably know they're spoiled. But maybe going through the stretch that we did at 25 years old now and saying, okay, we had a glimpse of hope where we got really into it. And we were, we love that team. Then we had 10 years of dog shit. Obviously, we would like a few good years in between. But maybe maybe now is where we can say every cool thing that happens – we, we appreciate it much more having gone through what we did. And also, I hate when people think that you can't appreciate years where maybe it doesn't turn out how it was supposed to or how it was great, right? You can't look at 2010 and say, oh, if we got the ball back against Pittsburgh. Yes, we all agree with that. But like I, I have to be able to watch 2010 highlight and be happy about that team and how cool they are, right? And I'm afraid Dude. that...
0: Well, that's the best part is going yeah. through like... Where week nine, it just beat the Browns in overtime. And you have the country cats where he pulls his groin and then Santonio in overtime. And then the game against the lions where Indomit and Sue misses a field goal and fucking Santonio again in overtime. And just like the week two that year, beating the Patriots and Braylon doing the Dougie, like just fun stuff like that. I'm looking at the 2012 Patriots. They went 12 and four. They scored 35 points a game. They killed everybody. You know, Brady threw 4,800 yards and 34 touchdowns and then they lost in the second round. Like, does that matter? Sure.
1: Uh, like, You're supposed to be mad if you don't win a Super Bowl. Like, I'll, I get that, right? If if the Jets somehow make a wild card appearance this year and lose again and they're up in the playoffs, we'd be mad for a week. We'd be mad for, for maybe years, but we would still be able to look back at a highlight and be like, holy shit, Back then AVT depleted that guy. Like, that is awesome. Like, we got to be able to have that. And I think I'll, I think going what we went through for a decade of garbage, maybe we we have more appreciation for it. Who knows
0: we definitely do we have more we're hungry
1: my I, and and going back off, you were talking about the the mindset of Salah, imagine like him saying that we 're going to win championships, like that was in his opening press conference. If you asked that question to Gates, here's what he would have said you know it's every team's goal to win a Super Bowl, but we're in year one of our program. We're in year two of our program. We got a long way to go. Like, Salah's like, fuck you, we're winning championships. We're going to get the right people in here. And we're going to get it done. And even if he falls up short of that and he doesn't win championships, at least that mindset through your locker room can matter in winning at least one, right? Versus we're in year two of the program. Go fuck yourself, Adam Gates, right? There, there's a different, different mindset that this team needed. And if somehow we got the number one head coach available. Objectively, if your name's not Jason Luccinforo, who's an idiot, you we got the number one head coach available, and I'm pumped.
0: I have a hypothetical. Beat me. Robert Sala is the Jets coach. You so so you know this right now, right? And you have to sign on the dot. Robert Sala is the Jets coach for five years, and they make one conference championship game, and. We don't know what happens after that.
1: And, and I know that information.
0: You know the information. So after, so he, he coaches for five years. He's gone after five years. The Jets make one conference championship, and they could – who knows what happens after that.
1: Nope. Wow. And that, that almost is like uh like a – P- Is that a Doug Peterson stat line?
0: Basically similar, yeah. <laughs> but
1: here's why I can't do it. And, and maybe you think I'm wrong, right? Maybe you're – we 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 don't know how many playoffs, right? We know one conference championship. Yes, and he's gone after five years. So if it was I like a, try. if it could be anything, maybe he went he went to plus four to five years. One of them's conference championship, and they're trending in the right direction. But also, if they go to the conference championship in like year two, I know for the next three years <laughs> that they're not going to go. I'm thinking like literal sense of knowing that they so could have won
0: the Super Bowl that year. So they could have. Nice. I mean, the only thing is, it's funny. If you would have asked that question to us with Sam, not with Gaze, but about Darnold, if he would have went to one conference championship, we would have said no. Yeah. We thought Sam was going to make the playoffs like 15 times. And here we are. Yeah, I We're infamously
1: wrong. said 12 to our friend group.
0: I was like, dude, this is fair. We're yeah, going to make the playoffs 12 well, I times. Said,
1: I said 12, and then they're like, you're an asshole. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll say, <laughs> I'll say nine, which is still a, lot, a large number. And I still get talked about, them. like, everyone said, stupid shit. I could find a million dumb texts that, that people send. I was high on Sam, but I, I can't wait for training camp. I can't wait for preseason. I can't wait for week one, week two home opener. Holy shit, we're going to get there at 9 o'clock and then meet all the people that are still listening to us now. Now the hell of a time. Oh, I can't wait. Yes.
0: The only way to meet us, not that that is an important thing, but is to have been listening to this point of the podcast. Today I got my, uh, you know... Pete Alonzo in the Home Run Derby tonight. Wearing the old Jose Bautista Mets shirt to rep. Feeling good. i got to put out the article for X Factor. If you're if you're listening, check out, after we do the podcast, I throw up a, an article on Jets X Factor with, uh, you know, basically what we talked about on the pod, some social media recaps and fun stuff. Yeah, And I think you can watch, You should be able to watch this on YouTube as well.
1: We'll try to get See it up if there. We can,
0: if we can get it up. I,
1: yeah, oh, I mean, okay. we're very dedicated to being on Twitter, putting out good content, making the podcast, but there's also times where like, we don't know how to do the video, we we don't want to do it this week, Mike's in Miami, I'm here. During the year, we will always do an episode after every po- after every game, and maybe midweek if something happens, but I think maybe next week we'll be off, or we'll do a pod, and then after that, training camp, we'll probably go every week, every Monday, have it out It'll by roll. Tuesday or Wednesday.
0: All gas, no break.
1: Feeling good. All right, Mike, anything else we want to wrap it here?
0: No, that's good. I think we did enough.
1: All right. I'll talk to you soon, buddy.